Before we get going with today's podcast, I just want to jump on here for a second and personally invite you to a one-off brand new masterclass that I am hosting on Thursday the 16th of May. How to scale your online business to six figures and beyond. So if you are a course creator, a membership owner or a coach, then this is for you. I'm sharing with you my most effective strategies to become the go-to person in your industry and grow your online business. I will cover how to build your audience, how to craft an irresistible offer and how to master your launch strategy so that you will know the most effective way to grow your audience and build your email list fast, know how to craft an offer that your audience will love and create a launch that fits with you and enables you to sell with ease. And why should you come and listen to me? Well, I started doing this almost 10 years ago and the very first client I worked with back in 2016 I helped him launch his very first membership he had a done for you product and a one-to-one product and we created a membership in his first launch he got a hundred and thirty members bringing him in about sixty thousand in income every year now He has built a suite of online products that is bringing him in way over six figures every single year. This is going to be an awesome masterclass. You're going to get so much good stuff to take away with you to be able to use in your business. So to grab your free place, go to TeresaHeathWearing.com forward slash masterclass and I will see you there. You are listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast episode 220. You are listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast and I'm your host, Teresa Heathwaring. If you're a marketer, business owner or entrepreneur that is frustrated and overwhelmed with all the constant changes in digital marketing and social media, then you, my friend, are in the right place. Each week, I share with you easy, insightful and actionable steps that you can use to grow your business. So let's get started. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. So we're in December. Are you ready for, you know, the big day? I used to love, I do love Christmas still, but I used to really go all out. And ever since I had my own business, I do find myself like trimming down things that I just haven't got time and energy for. And being crazy about Christmas is one of those things. So I have to say that mine is probably a lot of last minute stuff. Also, we have a lot of birthdays in end of November, beginning of December, my daughters and my husband's and my stepdaughters. So in our house, it's like, you can't have those things. You can't uh, celebrate Christmas until those things are done. So anyway, but anyway, I hope you are far more organized than I am, which I suspect you are, which is good. So this week, we've got a really good interview. My lovely friend, Ross, has come onto the podcast to talk about websites, but not websites from a building a website or what you should have on it. We're specifically looking at how people convert on a website. And we used me as an example, and we used one of my members as an example who has a physical product. And he just gave such good ideas, like things that maybe I hadn't thought about, things that were super helpful, things that are like fairly easy to do with some changes that are more about text or images or buttons that actually are not that difficult to do. So I think no matter where you are in your business, whether you have someone do your website for you like I do, or whether you're doing it yourself, I think you're going to get lots from this. Also, because he's a very dear friend, we have 
quite a laugh, which I always enjoy like laughing. It's one of my favorite things. And he was good fun to interview. So let me do his bio. Ross Davis is the owner of Strafe Creative, a digital design agency focused on conversion lead design. He loves to find new and innovative ways to improve processes, whether that's in way he runs his business or the design process with his clients. Identifying objections and issues in any process can help streamline it. And it's the symptomatic, did, could he have chose like a more difficult bio for me to read? Like all the big words, a symptomatic approach, which has led him to some fantastic client results. Ross is also the author of The Paper Plane Plan, which delivers into growth hacking for service industry. And he's the proud husband and father and a huge baseball, uh, basketball fan and loves Thai food. There we go. A little bit of uh, info about Ross there. So we have such a funny story to tell you about his book. It is hilarious. And like I said, this is going to be really good. I don't want to say anything else about it. Some really good tips. You're probably going to want to have a pen and paper handy. Uh, some great stuff in today's episode. So here we go. So I am very pleased today to welcome my very dear friend, Ross Davis, to the podcast. Hello, Ross. How are you doing? Hello, hello. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so Because I'm not used to seeing you in such a professional manner. And I'm never just doing such a Yeah, I know. I love it. It's great. It's normally, when the times we hang out normally involve some drink mm. somewhere, yes. that's normally. From a professional point, though, like we've been at yeah. a band, we've been yeah. there or you've been talking or whatever. And yeah. Then drink. So it's... Then we drink. So I yeah, start off professional and then yeah. it starts to slide as the day goes on. Goes hideously downhill. <laughs> Not that bad. Not that bad. Uh, she says, if I could remember Ross, I'd be confident of it. Yeah, but... <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the difference. That's fine. I'm there to prop us up. So it's all right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So Ross and I spent some time together. I think at the first, was it Atomicon? No. Here it was. It was Atomicon. It was Atomicon. The, the yeah. first time we hung out properly. You know, the first time, this was brilliant, right? This was so good. Didn't I have your book? Yes. Right. We've got to tell this the book. Right. Tell it. So this is brilliant. So I had never met Ross and someone had said about this book and I had got the book and I'd taken it on holiday. And while we were on holiday, my husband and I were having a photo shoot and I thought I'm going to do some, have some books in the, in the photo shoot. So I'm holding a Gary Vee book, which is quite unusual because that's not really, after reading it, I realised He's not necessarily for me, but anyway. And I give my husband your book to hold as a prop. Yeah. Obviously, I'd taken it to read. And we had these photos done. And then uh, I meet Ross. And Ross was very sweet to me and was like, oh, my God, I get it's to meet you. Girl in. Fine girl in. <laughs> Which is so, so sweet. And I was sat there and Ross gets on stage to speak. And he brings up his book. And I'm like, hang on a minute. I recognise that book. So I then sit through the rest of his talk, scrolling through my phone, yes, trying to find... Listening. Sorry, I wasn't, listening. I wasn't oh. paying attention. Because the the excitement of, oh my God, this is brilliant. And by the time we'd finished, I'd sent him a picture of my husband. And one of the pictures, we're holding the books in front of our faces so you can't even see it's us. And genuinely, it could look like me and Ross. It looked like, yeah, it just looked like we were on holiday chilling. Yeah, you were reading your own book. I was very egotistically reading my own book. Like, this is great. What a read. Yeah, jeez, I don't know who wrote this book. He was amazing. Honestly, it was so funny. It was like, it was a sign. We were meant to be friends. Well, I was was super excited as well by that. 
we had, so, so that was actually marketed live. I lied. Yes, it was. That was the first time I met you. Then Atomicon. And then Atomicon, we ended up, you very sweetly walked me back to my hotel because I was staying somewhere from different from where we were. Very and we had some drinks yeah, yeah. and it was great. And then uh, the next time we met up and I'd raved to my husband about you. And you know, when like you think, oh, I hope, because my husband came to, it was Cambridge Social Day. And yes, my husband came and I thought, you know, when you rave about someone, you think, oh, I hope, I hope they see what I see. You know what I mean? Because you just don't know sometimes. Ron about me on four. Yeah. <laughs> I've said you're funny. You better make him laugh. <laughs> anyway, my husband just adored you. And when I said I was interviewing you today, he was like, no way. So excited. So excited. But anyway. That was our little story about how Ross and I met. But Ross, normally I start this podcast by asking you to introduce yourself to my audience and tell my audience how you got to do what you're doing today. Yeah. Uh, so I'm obviously Ross. I'm the MD of a company called Strafe Creative. We're a digital design agency. So that mainly means that we're doing things between kind of branding, web, and I guess digital. So it might be platform work, UX work, or, or an app or something along those lines. That's kind of where we, where we kind of do it. And I guess we've been running for 11 years now. We started this off and um, I think the big thing for us that we were trying to create work that not only looked aesthetically beautiful, but also that converted and drove sales. And we did that for a couple of years when we first started up and it wasn't all of a sudden this term like appeared called like Crow, so conversion rate optimization. And we didn't have a name for it. We didn't know that's what the name was. Then we started reading about it. And I was like, we do this. Like we never gave it a cool, fancy name, but this work about analyzing how traffic is moving on a site and then tweaking the site to increase the likelihood of the user doing the thing that we want to do. We've been doing that for a while. So we kind of got to get a little bit ahead of the curve on, on some of those things. And, and it meant that, yeah, we got to kind of talk about it. And I guess we were unintentionally relatively experts in our field because we were already doing it before we realized it was a term. And that's when we, when we met, that's kind of how I'd always been talking and, and that's kind of where I was going. So it doesn't always need to be as technical as that. There's obviously some really great lessons and wins that every side can possibly do. But yeah, that, that's kind of the main part, really. So before, obviously, 11 years, so you obviously started pretty much straight out of school, I'd imagine, Ross. Um, well, not that young, sadly. <laughs> Maybe I look young. But yeah, after think... a couple of years, couple of years in the industry, and then, yeah, we set up after like two years, two years after you. I think it's your maturity, maybe. Just... <laughs> yeah. They're going to get really... Before we came on board. Yeah, they're going to get so sad of just us laughing on this podcast, but, yeah. you know, we're having yeah. fun. So I yeah. hope you enjoy it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, what? so had you always been in a marketing space or a web space before that? I know. So I did science-based design and engineering at university. Fancy. And um, I know that sounds super fancy. And a lot of it was to do with, like, basically designing products, products with ergonomics in mind. So designing it for the user and how things should be held and moved and how someone interacts with it. Um, and I guess it was uh, taking that thought process and how people use stuff, but applying it to a digital space. Mm. That's kind of what we started doing. When we first set up, and this, this makes me feel old as I kind of tell this story, but um, this was like at the height of Dragon's Den. So obviously for anyone, or, you know, or Shark Tank or whatever they are in the road. Yeah. So like this, so our idea was, I was like, I'll design the products and then my, my business partner was going to do the brand and the web and our big USP was going to be, not only could you have the product, you could have everything. So you could go to market or you could go to Dragon's Den and you could try to get on it. Yeah. 
Then we realized nobody wanted products designed by a student with no experience in the real world, surprisingly, but they were happy to pay for branding and web. Uh, And slowly over the first year or two, we dropped product and we just heavily focused on what we did. And that was where I guess my learnings and lessons from when I'd done university and education and stuff like that, we started to apply those, those learnings to digital. And that's, that's kind of where we started really. So a little bit different. So do you always saturate this part? No, no. So straight after university, um, I worked for uh, a company called Jagex who make a game for RuneScape, the mighty RuneScape. Right. Uh, which was this huge game that no one ever heard of in the UK, but it was absolutely huge in America and China, little places. And they had something mm-hmm. like 10 million active users or something back in the day before um, online gaming was really a, such a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did that for a few years, but then we always had, me and Patrick um, met at university, we always had this idea of setting something up. And we just said, I'm, I think you probably know this about me, I'm probably overly logical sometimes. Mm-hmm. But we had this discussion one day in a pub, obviously. And it was something on the lines of, neither of us have wives, we don't have any kids, we don't have house payments. Worst case, if this goes completely tits up, then we can just move back home and we'll be in debt. But we're just, we're only really a year out of uni, so we're already in debt and quite a lot of my friends really live at home. Yeah. So we were like, let's just do it. Let's just set up and just see what happens and... And we'll go from there, right? So incredibly, I guess in my head, very logical. So like worst case, if it goes wrong, we're yeah. in debt, but we're already in debt. So crack on. Yeah. Um, and that's what we did. Mm. And then we had this little tiny apartment in Nottingham City Centre where we did absolutely everything from. Um, and then we got our first office, which was honestly, it was an actual cupboard. Uh, so much so that uh, me and Patrick sat next to each other, but you couldn't open the door unless I moved my 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 uh, chair out of the way. Sounds cosy, that. It was very cosy. But again, it was like £150 a month or something mental with everything included. And we like, and we have an office space. And obviously all we did was we had a meeting room that we could take people to. Okay. They never saw the office space. And but you couldn't have got three people in at once. You couldn't physically <laughs> got three people in. We couldn't get three people in. It was just like a running joke that we had. It was like, oh, we can't physically hire people even if we wanted to. So, and... <laughs> um, so yeah, and that was that was where we all started, and and yeah, so there's now nineteen of us. That's um, crazy. So yeah, so a big difference. I still don't necessarily feel responsible enough to have uh, those people working for us, but the team are absolutely amazing, and uh, and yeah, I'm very much relying on those guys nowadays. Are they full time employed? That team. Uh, so sixteen of them are, uh, and then three of them are part time. Uh, part time, but still employed. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that, like, I know you haven't come on to talk about this, but I I find the employing people thing, in fact, I was talking to our mutual friend yesterday, lovely Biz Paul, and I was like, just the thought of employing someone scares the living bejesus out of me. Like, yeah. do you not like, does it not make you sick? Um, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not until now <laughs> but yeah when we first did it yeah i remember like that was a big step right like could we afford to do it and what would happen and how do we do those things and 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 you know and we definitely made lots of mistakes to start with like some people came and went or we kept people on too long that weren't the right people but just a bit like everything in life we've just had to roll with the punches figure it out learn from the mistakes and i think a combination of 
I think the main thing is obviously quite a lot of our people are will necessarily, they will be what are called fearers. So you'll have a designer, you'll have a developer where their time is being charged out. Okay. So the benefit of that is that I know that yes, there's an expense there to yeah. salary, but, but I also know that they will bring in money. So unless something were to go drastically wrong, as long as I forecasted for the first month or two, that I'm probably not going to make any money out of them. And they're, they're a cost to me, but after that, yeah. Um, they should bring their money back in. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously a, a project manager is worth a weight in gold. Who's not, they're not in theory. They're not, they're not fearless, but yeah. actually they're, they're, they pick up everything and they keep it running and they're absolutely amazing. And, you know, we couldn't deal without them. So, so actually yeah, everyone that sort of gets hired over time is, is always bringing something to it that's, that's yeah. been useful and allows me to focus on, on my bit is, I think is the other thing as well. So did you start off on the tech? Are you techie or not? <laughs> I laugh because it's just the, I'm, I'm, I'm just good at talking to people. That's literally pretty much all I read to strafe. I think is there was, when we first set up, I was obviously, I did get involved in the design and I have a very good, I guess, a good technical knowledge from a design aspect of yeah. how to get people to convert. And there's definitely that. But um, I think as things grew, Patrick, my business partner, very much became the creative director and he looks after that side. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess I do a lot more of the business planning and the overall kind of forecasting. And I still do a lot of the sales, although we do have uh, Matt that now works with us as well. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, it feels a little bit weird. I'm not, I'm not even sure what I bring to it sometimes. <laughs> I'm just, uh, I'm just, oh, I, yeah. I've just made you realize you're... Completely yeah. useless in the yeah. business. I'm a shell of a man. I, I, I'm, yeah, my day to day is like super varied. So sometimes I'm jumping in, helping with lots of different things, or people want advice, or I'll spend a day, like I said, planning out what the business is going to do, or what we're going to do the following year, or I might have the whole day doing sales, or I might be doing these sort of things. So there's this huge variety for what I do. But yeah, my role has drastically changed from when we first set up. That was a lot more on the tools, and yeah. I'm, I'm rarely on the tools nowadays. Yeah, yeah. So. One of the reasons I brought you on, other than just to chat to you, because man, um, which, you know, that's part of the benefit of having a podcast, talking to cool people. But I wanted you to talk about the fact that you do know a lot about converting people when they're on a website and what makes them convert and what helps those things. But just so that my audience know, you create fairly hefty tech and expensive websites, don't you? Um, I would, I would argue they're expensive. I was going to say, it depends. Value. Yes, no, you're right. Value, eh? There you go. When I say expensive. I spend sales with that. I mean, like, there's a lot in them, hence yeah. why there's a lot of money to them. So, like, as an average ballpark, where would you start? What price would you start at for a website? Yeah, so we're not probably going to take anything for less than kind of 16 to 20K. Yeah, um, there you that's go. kind of everybody listening is like that's expensive, <laughs> but it's all relative, all relative. So I guess it is all relative, and I, I think the huge benefit of this is there's so many quick wins that people are just unaware of, and a yeah. lot of it is about changing your mentality of design and how you're looking at something in the first place. And I guess we'll we'll kind of touch on that anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but yeah, there's definitely things that even just for now that loads of people can do straight away that they can sell more through their site with the same amount of marketing spend just by tweaking their site to answer a couple of really easy things that people just overlook or people don't consider. Oh, units. 
Okay. It's very unprofessional. It's fine. Phone is off as well. It's fine. It's either uh, Phil will edit it if you can, uh, or we'll just roll with it. Like either way, like it. I'm yeah. I'm fine. Um, so you secretly so, raging. <laughs> secretly raging. I had a really funny episode a few weeks back, which has already aired, and so you know, even the fact that my audience are hearing me talk about this with you is absolutely fine. And the person I interviewed bought up a slideshow. They bought up a, up on my screen, and it was like. Um, like I'm sat there thinking, okay, how can I make this work as an audio you podcast? You should have said, should have, you should start describing it. I mean, you can't do that, right? On, well, I tried. And then I asked for the, the, uh, the screen, sh- like the share as in, so I could at least share it in the show notes. But yeah, yeah. So, believe me, I've done it all. I've done a podcast. In fact, I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast. I've done a podcast that has never aired because I forgot to hit record. And it was only about like a third of the way through that I hit record. And as it was, the episode was terrible. Like, oh, that's fine then. It wasn't a great episode, but that's the only one I've recorded that's never actually aired. And I've done episodes where I've thought, oh, that wasn't great, but there's been something. So I've been happy to put it out. But anyway, so yeah, they know me very well. So don't don't panic, Ross. It's fine. Okay. All good. So it's all good. Um, uh, where was I at? Let me think. Let me think. So I was going to say to you, um, I can't remember. It's gone. <laughs> uh, we were touching on the fact of, I guess, what we do. And I was talking about some quick wins. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, how we can apply them. So before that's, thank you. It's come back. Um, so before we get on to some of those wins, which you will do and some of the things that you can do, does this only work for product that you're selling direct on the site? Because obviously we've got lots of different people who, who, you know, listen to this. Some people will sell a physical product on a website, have a very traditional e-commerce site. Yeah. Some like me will sell online, but they're selling a online product. And some will have a service that you can't buy online, that has to be a call or a discussion or a yeah. whatever. Works so Works for all of them. Cool. Uh, so- obviously there are, in theory, there are quick wins that can just be applied to product. But there's quick wins that can be applied to service and, and absolutely everything. So at the end of the day, what we want to do is we want to make that person feel comfortable with getting in touch with you. Mm. And I think that's what a lot of the errors that people have is they approach it in a case of, I just need to get across what I do. And they mm. leave it at that. And that's only a really, really small part of it. It's all the other potential kind of touch points and, and what we would call objections that we have to answer to get them to do the thing that we want to do. And we also have to make it really obvious. So what is called signposting, um, to make it really clear what we want the user to do and when. And the idea is you just treat the user as a complete idiot. So Mm -hmm. if they read some information and it's great and they go, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. But if you then don't immediately make it clear what that user should do next, it's a split second decision and they either carry on reading and looking for more knowledge and you miss that opportunity and you yeah. could learn, lose them. Or if you don't made it really clear what they should do next is it's case of, if we can get them to do that on a split second decision, that's what drives up conversion. And it can be as simple as making sure that the button is in the right place when we need them to hit it. So um, let's take an example of uh, someone who's got a blog or a podcast or mm-hmm. something that sits on their site that is likely to bring people in to read and engage with. So let's say someone's come to the site to look at the podcast because I tell everybody in pretty much all the podcast episodes that we link up to stuff in the show notes. And obviously the show notes yeah. sit properly in their entirety on the website. 
So I don't have, <laughs> this, this is why I love doing podcast episodes, because basically it shines me up as a example of where to go wrong or what, you know, not to do. So I don't have anything, any call to action in any one of those podcast episodes other than there's a section with a load of links. So if I've talked about my academy, ting, which I just did, lovely Becky. Yeah, exactly. Who listens to this, will put a link to the academy in the show notes, but it's just a link along the links of Ross's website, Ross's social media, and they're just listed. They're not necessarily a call to action. So is it as simple as halfway through the show notes saying, you know, if you're enjoying this, come and do this, like commercial. So I guess there's a couple of parts to right? So first off, we want to make it really clear what we want the user to do. But just having a button there that says like, buy now is, is not necessarily going to lead anywhere. So contextualizing what we want our users to do and why is really, really key. So, you know, if we want to have a reference to something that could be downloaded separately or your academy, for example, we need to make sure that we're going to give them a reference and we're going to give them a reason to press that button there then. Okay. So it might be rather than just, hey, did you like, you know, rather than just going, hey, Here's my notes because we've said this, it might be more so along the lines of if you really like what Teresa's had to say, we've got a special offer on for the next two weeks, uh, access to our academy, five percent off. I don't know, yeah. like click now, and then you can run through. And that's obviously a really nice way of doing it. Now that's your first point. And your second point is where we then send them. Mm-hmm. Because for me, rather than just sending them to the same generic page that you send everyone to, mm-hmm. I would have a page set up that's all about. Hey, you've been on our podcast. Here's your special offer. Here's your special thing. So when they land on that page, that page is contextualized from where they've come from. Yes. Yeah. And that's the difference. So, and that's what I talk about conversion rate. So a conversion rate, just for, just in case, I just want to make sure it's completely clear is the number of people that come to your website and then perform the action that we want them to do. Mm-hmm. So. If from yours, it would be to join the academy. If a hundred people come on and one person buys, that's a 1% conversion rate. Depending on what you read um, and what industry you're in, um, industry standards somewhere between 1.2 and 1.6%. So yeah. very, very low. So obviously we want to yeah. get that, we want to get that much higher. So you might be already converting those sort of numbers already. And all you're doing is sending them to the same generic page every time. It's like, okay, well, what, what would happen if we send them to a more a page that was more like, hey, you've obviously just loved our podcast. Mm-hmm. Here's a little bit of information about trees in case it's the first time you've read about it. Why not have a look at the academy? Here's some information about it and then push you through to it in that way. Yeah. So it's not just about the initial signposting, but it's about a destination where you send them and making sure the two of them feel linked is what mm-hmm. hugely drives up conversion rate. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's not something we think about enough in terms of how they got to it. It's like, I suppose it's like if you're doing an email campaign and you know you have, okay, let me go back a bit. So you can have different customers who come to you for the same reason. Something different drives them. So some people might join, and we'll just keep using the example of the academy. Some people might join the academy because they love the coaching calls. Some people might join the academy because they want to go through the growth path. Some people might join because they need the community. So let's say I knew, or let's say I had like a 
something where they clicked and I they self-identified, then surely as they then go to that page, if they said, what I really need right now is community, then that page would focus much more heavily on community or it yeah. would come up higher in the page or the headline would read differently, like join the best community in the online yeah. world, which it is, by the way, obviously. Um, but like, you know, that that would be what you're talking about, wouldn't it? So yeah. it could be from many different places. It could be from a social media post or it could be from, you know, to get them to go and look at something. It could be that, couldn't it? Yeah, so I guess what we're talking about here is like the messaging that you're putting out to that particular persona, they shouldn't, you know, each person's different. Each reason someone's going to join the academy is different. So rather than sending to the same generic sign-up page every time, if your particular social post that you put out, that time is about X, about the community, and that's what triggers with that person. Mm. You want to send them to a page that's more dedicated around that. Yes, we still want to talk about some of the major elements, but, but if it's community that was really triggered them to click it in the first place, let's lead them down that avenue. Let's yeah. make it really clear around that as well. Right? Okay. And that, oh, go. No, no, you go. I was going to say that also ties in quite nicely. And this is what a lot of, I guess, you know, companies all made a mistake of is we're so busy trying to explain the, the great things that we do and trying to build as much credibility as possible that we don't consider the other reasons why someone might not sign up. So, for example, on, the, uh, on, the, on your academy, someone might really like the idea of it, but they might go, well, I don't know if I've got the time to commit to it. Mm-hmm. Or... They might want to have a look at are there other options that can be done or do I need particular tech? I'm not particularly tech savvy. Mm-hmm. You know, how do I work around that? Or if it's on a one-to-one basis, do I need to have a, a mic and, a, mm-hmm. um, and, a, and, a, and a, a webcam and all these additional things that, that can be in the background of people's heads? Mm-hmm. So the idea is if you try and answer those as visually uh, and in such a stimulating manner that they go, oh, okay, that's fine. Let's crack on. So little things like that can make a huge difference to the likelihood of someone signing up. And that in theory has absolutely nothing to do with how good you are, what you do, but it's a reason in the back of their head not to do it. Yeah. So we can answer those things. That's what drives conversion rate. So let's take, you know, and this is normally the case for most businesses, especially uh, knowledge industry like me, is that they either don't have the time or they don't have the money. So those are your two big objections. It's another thing to overwhelm them or they don't want or like the idea of another cost going out every single month, regardless of the value to, you know, how good it is. Um, So let's say it's the money thing. What sorts of things would you suggest that we could do? Like other than the fact of if we know it's money and we somehow, how are we like dripping in those things? Is it just text? Is it copy? What? What is it? Yeah, so I guess it slightly comes down to what you're selling a little bit, but I'll, I'll try and provide a bit of a, a, a catch-all. Mm. So the, the first one is, and the rule that we try and run here, and what I tell to all our clients is that um, cost shouldn't be a thing. It's more about if we've not explained the value, that's why they've not paid it. So yeah. like, don't pretend the cost is a thing. Like we need to look, we need to work around yeah. that. So instead we need to try provide as much value as possible. And rather than avoiding differences with other companies, I would, I would openly talk about them. So for example, if you've got some other academies that are quite good, but don't have what you have, let's just, let's be really blatant and just have a side-by-side comparison. Like this community only has a hundred videos. Mine has a thousand videos. Mm -hmm. We've got X number in our community. This other community only has this. 
Like if you're really interested in the number of one-on-ones you're going to get, you're going to get two hours of my time. You're going to get half an hour in the other one. So for me, I'd just be really blatant. Like, this is why we're better than the other ones. And if you're mm-hmm. not better than the other ones, you need to, you need to work on it to get to yeah, yeah. where we need to be. We need to find those numbers in there. The next one are mini case studies and testimonials. We just want to build as much credibility as possible. Yeah. And the term that we use internally, which, um, which I'm trying to get people to catch on to. So maybe okay. it's good here. Okay. But the term that we use is called logo porn. With the logo idea, we porn. Want st- logo porn. So we want to steal credibility from companies that we work with. Okay. And so, for example, and you've got this on yours, you know, you've got like the, the pictures of people that have spoken on some of your events or the stuff like that on yeah. your podcasts. And you go, oh, wow, they've had yeah. so and so. Yeah. Like that, I have. Just, we're just stealing credibility from that company. I have like, like a top five on my exactly. podcast. Yeah. Yeah, so like one of our clients' experience, so it's like I'm slapping that logo everywhere. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. like that's like a huge logo. Yeah, like let's get that on there. Let's make sure that's referenced. So that's the usual reason I want to be featured in Forbes, you know, just to have yeah, the yeah. logo. That's it. Exactly. If they exactly. could just so the, lie for me and give me the logo and I could just pretend. You could just pay for fun. an advert, pay for an advert and that boom, featured in Forbes. I featured in Forbes. <laughs> yeah, turn, but technically featured. So. Unfortunately, I'm... Far too moral. Or otherwise, okay. I'd just shove these logos on myself. No, I don't recommend anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. We're not lying. No, not lying. that's no. Right. That's what I talk about. It's, it's not a case of tweaking the numbers to make them look right. You, if the business is where it needs to be to be better, some of those competitors, that's what we would look at and have yeah. an honest viewpoint on. But yeah, we want to build credibility, and 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 also you kind of want those testimonials. So, and this is what's hard, right? But like one of the things we try and ask clients to is. Don't just ask for a testimonial. Say, hey, can you write me a nice thing? It might be a case of you know, just ringing them up and saying, you know, it'd be great if I could get a testimonial. Just so you're aware, there's any chance, one of the things we're really trying to push is how great we are at X. Yeah. Would you mind writing a testimonial around that? Now, if you then do that with lots of your testimonials, you've got a really nice range of testimonials mm-hmm. that, that triggers certain people's personas. So some people who are incredibly stats-driven, that might talk about the return on investment. Mm-hmm. Some people that want to sell want to feel like they've got that community and being really handheld through it, you can have testimonials dedicated to that. Yeah. You try and cover those different kind of uh, options. Same thing with mini testimonials. Um, we want to have these mini testimonials slotted around. The likelihood of someone reading a full page all about a case study about how yeah. great you are is, is very low. So instead, what we want to do is we have, want to have those dotted throughout mm. the user journey. And I think that's also an error that happens is you know, it's a really kind of standard old way of doing it, but you'd have a testimonial page. It's just reams and reams and reams of testimonials all in, and you cycle through them. And the idea is it's like, oh, wow, look how many they've got. Mm. But that means someone has to go out of their way to start reading those testimonials. So they're probably already more interested. If we yep. can just have them constantly dotted through the user journey, mm. they'll just absorb them and read them. And then they'll slowly build credibility without realizing it. Same yeah. thing with the logos dotted around. Um, so you want to start building some of that credibility. And then we want to start dropping in some of those huge benefits and having, like I say, some of those comparisons, maybe against some of your competitors that you're doing that those aren't. I personally would just reference that and just try and really go above and beyond to explain the value rather than just here's the cost. And you've said some really interesting things. That, and it's funny, I normally, I, don't, I try not to pay too much attention to competitors because sometimes you can look at them and be like, oh, how are they doing this and how are they doing that? And, and it can be very frustrating. However, I think I don't know the last time I looked at other people's memberships that people are in, which aren't mine, and mm. gone, what exactly do they offer and how does that match against mine? 
Yeah. And I don't know how I would feel or how, let's say you were looking to join a membership. Obviously, you'd come to mind immediately, but, you know, let's say you didn't know me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, how would you feel about coming to my page and me listing the others? Does that, like, that just makes me feel a bit eek. Um, you're going to, so you're going to lose some people in that way because they might look at those other ones, right? And, and and this is an argument that will be that will definitely be made. It's like, oh, I'm going to tell them about the competitors in case they didn't know them. But the argument I would make is if it's positioned in the correct way is the number of people you lose will be far less than the people you actually gain because yeah. of that. So yeah. that would be one part. The other thing that we do with all of our clients that's really important, which I guess I kind of just want to reference, is we want to do a little bit of research and figure out, I guess, what people think. Mm. Um, so looking at forums looking on social pages, trying to figure out what questions are constantly being asked mm -hmm. is a really, really key one because, and you might find this just in a sales cycle anyway, you'll repeatedly be asked the same couple of questions mm -hmm. that always, always come up. So for me, the questions that it's constantly asked, right, let's create a whole area on the side dedicated mm -hmm. to that. Let's add a module onto the, the homepage that answers some of those questions. And just slowly over time, you'll just start adding to your side and you answer more and more and more objections so that people don't have those anymore. Um, yeah. So that's what's quite key. One of the examples that was really nice is we work with this electrician, uh, sorry, a company that was teaching people to become electricians. Mm -hmm. And they, these were like, you know, 10 grand for a course to learn over like right. a three month period or something like that for us to do. And they were really good and our old side was just all credibility. It was like, hey, look how good we are. We can get you jobs at these places. And that was all that they spoke about. And they were obviously doing, they were doing well, you know, decent sized company. We started looking on some of the forums and trying to figure out what people actually considered important. And loads of them are all discussing, okay, well, if I'm going to be there for the amount of time, where are the hotels? How expensive are the hotels? Like, do I have to go buy food every day? That's really expensive. Is there a cafeteria on site? Because that would make life way easier. Yeah. Like, okay, what about the transport? Is there a car park there? Because actually I live an hour away. And I don't have to get trained every day. It'd be great if I could drive in. None of those things were on site. None of those things are actually hugely important to the service they're providing, but were critical to their users. Mm. So the new site, when we did it, had sections dedicated to the locations and why we chose them and the fact they had on site. And we listed the hotels with the prices of how much they were going to be. Yeah, outrageous. And we're just answering all these potential objections that you don't necessarily consider objections because you're mm. just trying to build credibility. Yeah. And that doesn't actually, feel like, like exactly. it would be, does it? Like, no. and often what we, like, exactly like you said, what we think of the objections are not. Like, no. who would have thought having a car park, and actually, you know, no kidding, some things, that is a deal breaker. Do you exactly. know what I mean? Like, You're like, well, I'm going there for three months. I have to get the train. I have to walk half an hour. Yeah. But obviously from the business end, you kind of go, yeah, but I'm doing all these amazing things. You know, but yeah. I've got a car park on site. And yeah. you just tell um, people, just yeah. tell you. So there'll be lots of random little things like that, that you're just not considering. And that's why trying to find all these smaller objections is the huge difference between having a below average or a very average conversion rate and having a sky high one. Do you know what is really interesting? I uh, spoke to someone the other day that knows me fairly well, has worked with me. And this person's in someone else's membership. And I asked her why she chose that membership and not mine. And I don't think she knew me at the time. And it was interesting to hear her responses. Like, mm. you know, one of her responses, which is something I'm going to say now I'll never do, which means you can hold me to it, um, okay. 
is that this membership did like a $1, like come and join us for a week for $1. And I don't want to devalue myself like that. You know, I have seriously quality stuff and therefore that wouldn't fit well with me and my brand and my values. Um, but I was like, oh, that is interesting. You know, because then what happened was she went in for the dollar, saw something in there and thought, oh, actually, I do want to go through this and then stayed and has stayed ever since. And I was like, oh, okay, that is interesting because even though I don't want to do the $1 thing, it's making me think, well, is there a way I need to show people what is in there for them to then realize and think, oh, okay, you know, that's good. But, but I think you're not going to find that until you speak to your customers. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I think there's going to be that combination. So a really easy way around that, because we do have that that comes up, a really easy way around that is no questions asked, money guaranteed, refund back after the first month if you don't like it. So they still have to commit to the payment, still have to yeah. fully commit to the payment. They still have to value the payment to give you that money in the first place. But if they decide after the first month they don't like it, then that removes that objection. Mm-hmm. But you're just going to go, if you didn't see value in it, if you can promise that you tried to do X, Y, and Z, you know, if you promise that you committed two, three hours over the month or whatever time you want to put, and you did these things, and you did the one-on-one that we kind of give you at the start, and you don't see the value in it, I'll just give you money back, no problem. Last. I'll give you 100 quid if you will, because mm-hmm. no, it ain't going to happen. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And that answers that, that answers that question. Mm. Um, and that's quite, that's fairly common. You get that quite a lot of... Well, I don't have a guarantee. And I think the reason I don't have a guarantee is because it's membership and they can come in and they could effectively look at all the stuff and they go, I don't like it. Um, but I think you're right. Putting a little bit of caveat around it, like if you join and you come on a coaching call and you take some time to look around the membership and you start the growth path and you realize this isn't for you, then absolutely. Cause I yeah. know full well, they get on one coaching call with me and they're like, Oh, hang on a minute. Like exactly. there's no way they don't get value from it. So we've removed that, but we've not cheapened the brand. Yeah, we've not cheapened right. the look of you. We've not had to reduce down to a pound. You know what that means that your, you know, your cost for acquisition is completely ruined because you yeah. get everyone for quitting that you don't know what it is. Yeah. You're committed to that. And the likelihood is you know that what you're delivering is awesome. Yeah. And the percentage of people that will do that. They're actually going to make it. Yeah. And and you are going to get people. Like you have to go into that knowing that you, know, you can't cool. feel bad of oh, I've got to refund them. But again, it comes back to what I mentioned uh, like earlier on, which is, the number of people that will do it will be tiny, but the huge increase in people that will bother to then sign up because of that will be huge. And it just covers that cost. Yeah. And that's what it has to do. It's just really logical. Like which, which one will make more money. Yeah. Um, so that, that's how I, I like it. That's probably that's how good. I like it. Very good. Thank you. We'll see that on the website tomorrow. You are, Yeah. Well, I'm currently going through a bit of a, uh, and by the time this episode comes out, it might have already happened, but going through a little bit of a rebrand, uh, because I, I decided that my brand is not screaming. Uh, I said something the other day and the woman said, I'm Chanel, not Target. And that's Come me, in. Ross. I'm Chanel, not Target. Okay. <laughs> We're laughing. I like that yeah. Sassy. Very sassy. <laughs> exactly. My three-year-old would say. Yeah. Sass. She's pure sass. I love it. I remember just very quickly as a side, my daughter, right? She was watching something. She's about seven at the time. Now, I have to say, the only thing that I own that is Chanel is perfume, right? I don't own anything Chanel at all. I'm not a big designer person. I don't have like the most, I have nice handbags. I have Michael Kors handbags, but you know, they're not crazy money, right? Anyway, so my daughter's watching this thing on YouTube, as they do. And basically, there's a game or a 
TV program where they get to go into a shop and anything that they can physically carry and in a certain length of time and get out still carrying it, they get to keep, right? If they yeah. drop it, they don't get anything or they, they lose that bit or whatever, right? So it's about like, it's a bit like a supermarket sweep, but it's like, yeah, don't be too greedy because if you drop it, you're going to lose it all. But yeah. like, what are you going to do? I said, mum, what shop would you have? Like, what shop would you go into if you could do that? Like, what three shops? And I was like, oh, Apple. Like, yeah, I'd want to get some Apple stuff. Probably, as well, I said at the time, a nice gin shop, but I didn't think about that because how am I going to carry all that gin? Yeah. And, yeah, then, and then I can't remember what I said for the last one. I would, what about you? Bearing in mind, she's about seven. She went, um, Chanel, uh, Apple, and some other crazy brand. And I'm like... Who yeah, are you? What are you talking about? Like this isn't my child. Like if I was totally into all that, but she's like, yeah, Chanel. Like, yeah, Chanel. What are you talking about? You're seven, you crazy girl. Anyway. They clearly saw one on that program and done it, right? I think wow. I use jewelry because it's small and valuable. Oh, you're so smart. There you go. That's what Tiffany. Oh my yeah. god. Like you just put all the rings on all the fingers. Well, I got in there and I thought I'd be really clever and everything was locked up. I'd be like, ah, oh, I've been done here. I can't oh, get it. You're right. Yeah, I'd carry one of the staff out. You're mine now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that that's the rule. Yeah. The rule. Yeah, I'm allowed to take whatever I want as long as I can carry it. Yeah. So and you the belong to me. And then, yeah, that's it. It's done. I yeah, do that. I you back me up. Um, okay, so I'm conscious of our time because we've been chatting for a while, but I want to ask, um, or I want to get a wee bit more advice from you. Yeah. What if... And I've got a couple of people who are product based. Yep. How I can see how I can see some overlap, obviously, on what we've been saying, but obviously a lot of it works really well for like a servicey or a bigger thing. Yep. What if like so one of my lovely members sells, and I'm gonna link to her in the show note actually. Um, she sells handmade gifts where um, so you've got children, Ross. I'm gonna yes. make you buy this for Christmas. I mean I can't hear you anyone, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the value is very good, Ross. So you know how when your children grow up and you buy the most cutest of things and then they last about two weeks and then you're like, oh, I yeah. can't wear that anymore. So Gladys spent £70 on those lovely mm. cardigan. Um, yeah. So basically what she does is she takes their clothes, she cuts them up and puts them into a memory bear and the mm, bears, cool. and you can have like sloths, you can have elephants, you can have giraffes, but they're flipping amazing, right? That is cool. I do like Very that. talented, this lady. So she has that and she also does things like dribble bibs and tag blankets and all this kind of jazz. So for her, if people are coming to her site, because it's a very traditional e-commerce site, what sort of things would you suggest that someone like her or someone who has a physical product could do to help that? Is it based solely around the product page? What What's the deal with that? Um so uh, this sounds like quite an emotive purchase, right? Like people, when it comes to your kids or your pets or whatever, like yeah. you, you almost don't care sometimes how much it is. I'm aware that's just um, me, being very middle, me being very middle class. Um, but, 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 but there's that idea, right? Yeah. So for me, I would sell probably quite heavily on that emotive and I would probably want a couple of things in there. First off, kind of, I would want uh, parents talking about what it meant to them like little videos, snippets, and them talking about it. But rather than being like, oh, my God, it's so well made and there's all these things. Yeah. We talk about it from the orated point of view. You know, well, it's great that we've had this for a few years and we've got to the back. So I definitely have that approach. 
There is going to be some things down to the overall quality that I do think need to be referenced. So maybe just talking about how that, I think it's selling the process would be really good as well. Yeah. Literally going, this is what we do. This is how we plan it. This is how we cut it up. This is how much material we need. Like what kind of happens there. So I think that makes sense. Um, I would also, because I'm weird with these sort of things, I, I would probably think something along the lines of, well, what if I don't send you enough material? Yeah. Like how many things do we need? So there'll be little things like that that need to be covered. Um, how quickly you can get them. I would talk about how they're shipped. I would also bother to show the packaging and explain what comes with it, because I guess that's part of it. You know, when you get your Apple product, it's yeah. that lifting up of the box and the under show. That you I just had get. a new watch and a new phone because I'm greedy. And you're right. Like even, and I say this to Paul as I was opening them, I was like, it's the whole experience is so satisfying. Like, it's so slick. It's so smart. Like, I just love it. You're right. It's like one of those, um, I don't really know how to put this, but like, it's that internal thing that as you're doing it, if your brain goes, oh, yeah. like a ray of light, like that's what you want, right? That is, that is entirely what happens when you open an Apple product. And again, I haven't seen this, so obviously I'm just, I'm just saying this as I go yeah. online. But one of the things that I'd probably imagine is actually one of the things, I would buy this for you. Like I imagine a yes. large portion of her people are gifting. gifting. Yeah. But actually just a voucher's not exciting. So I kind of want to buy a gift box that when they open it, they know what they're oh, about to be doing. So like, hey, you know, you need to fill in enough material to fill this little box or it needs to do this. And then you're going to send us this and you're going to have that. And, you know, on the piece of paper, can you cycle? So it feels like they're filling something really exciting out and they send it all back. Oh, that for me is probably how I would sell the gift box rather than just, oh, here's, here's the voucher, put it in a card. It doesn't feel very exciting. I would probably be selling a little bit of a different way. Yeah. So there's things like that. But overall credibility, right? So we want to talk about how quickly things can be shipped. We might want to talk about the overall quality and um, little things that can be really key. It's just like, you know, um, where they're made. Are they all handmade? Are they all made by just a small number of people? I just made like sure. Her. It's nice to show, I would then have dedicating information to her. Yeah. Um, so there's something called, um, what's the term for it? I can't remember this all, but basically one of the things that you want to sell is you want to sell the fact that something takes a long time. So for example, if you do on something, you're, like, you know, you're going to complain to someone and you fill in their form. And if it just says, thanks, we'll be in touch. You get really annoyed, don't you? you wait, yeah, yeah. You're like, this is ridiculous. I've been waiting 24 hours now. Yeah. Whereas if the message that you got said, thank you so much for filling us in, we take this really serious. One of the things that you need to be aware of is when any complaint comes in, we're going to go to three different departments and these three different departments, they're going to do X and Y and Z. They're going to discuss internally what the best possible approach is. And then we're going to come back to you. That's going to take five days. Uh -huh. That's just a paragraph of text, right? But you and that already yeah, makes it better. Yeah. Done. Five days. Five and you're taking me seriously. Exactly. And I would be tempted to sell that quite heavily on her. So actually, if she does take ages to turn them around, I would sell that as a positive, not a negative. Yeah. So, hey, you know what? These are going to take two weeks. They're going to take two weeks because they're handmade. There's only one of me. I only do X number of them mm -hmm. per week. You know, you're going to get your start. Even like, hey, I'm going to start building on this date. That'd be quite cool the amount to get with it. Oh, that'd be nice. This is when I'm going to do it. I'm cutting up your clothes. As you yeah. speak, uh, yeah. we've, you know, and then another email, we've stitched together the outline, we've done, we're packaging it up. It's a bit exactly. like, you know, again, 
Like if I've ordered something in the world we're in now, we are so freaking impatient, which I generally yeah. am anyway. But like, I want to see that email. It's shipped. It's here. Yeah. I constantly track where parcels are, even if it's like Amazon next day. I still want to know what time it's coming. Like, you know, so I think I really like that idea that once they've bought, if there's like a process thing, even if like it doesn't have to be manual, it can be automated. Yeah, it can just be automated, right? You know, because she knows. Right? I yeah, I don't take it for 10 days. I'm not going to do this. Like, um, so yeah, there's there's definitely ways that you can do that. So that that for me would just, again, I've not seen the current side, right? Like, so I'm, I'm making a lot of this up. But um, those kind of things there is what we would sell it. So... You know, if you do get complaints, mm. try and fix the complaint or do we turn the complaint into a, into a selling point? So, for example, yeah. people are getting annoyed at having to wait two, three weeks for it and they missed a day when they ordered it. That mm. becomes a main selling point. Hey, these take yeah. three weeks and this is why yeah. they take three weeks and this is what we're going to take you to. And yeah. I would I would even just have like little videos of her talking to why she started it and what it means to her because it is an emotive purchase. And I would sell that on her and I would yeah. probably have upsells included. So maybe once they've made the purchase, mm. what additional average, what, like, we want to increase that average order value. Yeah. What could we offer them once they've purchased or once they're on the cart page? That would be nice little easy things. So one of the things we did, for example, with a, a leather goods company was they were selling leather jackets. Mm. And I was saying about like, oh, I really want to start increasing the average order value. And he's like, well, people don't come on and buy two leather jackets for us. I was like, no, I know that, no. obviously. Uh-huh. But they'll probably buy and like a, like a little kit to improve, like, you know, to buff the leather or to glue the leather or something. And he was very against it. I was like, let's just buy like a thousand of them and get them branded with your name on. I was like, and if they don't sell, we've not lost a lot of money. If yeah. they do well, happy days. I think they cost him like three, four quid. He sold them for 25 quid, sold out in a month. No. A general upsell, your rough estimate, again, these are like, these are me painting everything with a with a brush, right? But like yep. 10 to 20% will buy the upsell. That's so amazing. Just have that option there. As long as it's not ridiculous, as long as it's a little addition. But if you can imagine just, if she was having a little additional thing that could be included, mm. it might even be a, do you want it to come in a fancier box? Yeah. I was just thinking that. Because yeah. I don't know how, I've had, I've ordered stuff from her uh, when friends of my babies like dribble bibs and things. And already they come in a, you know, this has been handmade and, you know, there's yeah. like a little thing in it. And it's really nice anyway. But the, I should imagine when you do the memory bears. And like I said, I've genuinely said to her, and I've got to stop talking about it and crack on and do it. But I've got, I've got whole like stuff of clothes in my attic, which yeah. I don't need of these, of my daughters, because A, she's grown up and B, even at the point, She's old enough to have her own children if she wants them. She assures me she doesn't. Uh, she's going to adopt. She asked me once, does it hurt? I was like, does it hurt? <laughs> Should we talk about that? And she went, oh, I'm not having a baby. Um, but like, you know, she's not going to want them. taking a turn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, she's not going to want them for her own child. So what am I doing with a whole load of stuff sat in an attic? Yeah. For no reason. So, yeah. So I don't know how it comes, but I'd want it to, beca- I'd want it to come quite ceremonial, no? What's the word? Yeah. Ceremonially. Ceremonially, that's the word. I don't know. Like, don't know. you know what I mean? Because it's a really, you know, cool thing. And I am totally going to book that for her birthday, for Christmas. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so no, that's awesome. That's really, really helpful. And I think, um, I think you're so right. And you just gave me a couple of ideas, like, could she do a thing where it comes with a little certificate and a personal note from someone? Like, do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, 
you know, so for instance, as I'm getting the clothes out, and again, I'm thinking about the emotion of it, I'm going to think like, so there's this really cute pink jacket that I bought her, which I got the season wrong. And basically she wore for about three times. And then that was it. It was already too small. But like, that was one of the first things I ever bought when I found out she was a girl. Like, do you know what I mean? It's that sort of memories alongside it. So, you know, if you could offer to then have something alongside it or sewn into it, because she can sew things like words onto things as well. Like, yeah, yeah, I think there's so much cool stuff you could do there. Just like what I'd probably do is, you know, once they've also bought... I'd be tempted to have like, you could even take it to a thank you page where they just bought, and it could be a talking head video. She's like, thank you so much for doing all this. Mm. Just so you know, this is what the steps I'm going to take them through. But then the other thing I'd probably try and do is I'd try and get the birthday of the child. I'd probably try and get the dad's birthday and, um, and, and the mum's birthday because then my email marketing is going to be around because really that's probably why people buy them, right? Yeah. So then, then the likelihood of someone buying becomes way higher, right? So actually I might get, they only might buy every four or five years, but actually that one client now, their average, their, their lifetime value to me is way higher than just that one purchase. Mm. Um, so there's things like that that could be taken into account, which which could be quite easily implemented in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's stuff like that could be done. So many good ideas, Ross. So many good ideas. Good, good. Thank you. Thank you so much for being a guest. I knew it'd be fun. And it was educational, Ross, which I wasn't expecting. <laughs> Bye. That's it. I'm off. That's all right, that. I thought that. I just did I did think I was like, oh, are we gonna actually are we we're just gonna talk completely so, rubbish for like no, an hour? Well, I think I think it would have been lovely. Well, my lovely audience would have been happy with it, I'm sure, either way. But thank you so much. Now, uh, we will link up to everything in the show notes, but where do you hang out most and where do you want people to come and say hi if they want to say hi? Um, That's a really good question. Uh, Obviously, the website is straightforcreative. Yeah, (laughs) just my local book, really. Uh, Straightforcreative.co.uk, so straight is spelled Sierra Tango Romeo Alpha Foxtrot Echo. The reason I say it like that is because everyone spells it wrong. So oh, I could imagine. Yeah, I didn't even attempt yeah. to write it, if I'm honest. My favourite one was we want, I once got something to strafe. Strafe. <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty good. I that think I should have taken that accent. and maybe Fair run enough. with it. That was yeah, a mistake. Did, it did become a bit of a term in the office while strafe. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was quite good, that one. Uh, and then, and then, yeah, I'm, I'm probably most on, on Twitter, but if I'm honest, I'm not, I'm not great with social media. So no, no um, worries. But yeah, Twitter Thank will be the best one. Lovely. Um, and that's just Ross underscore Davis. And you'll find me on there. Amazing. Thank you so much, Ross. You've been a fabulous guest. Thank you so, so much for having me. It's obviously just lovely to catch up as always. And obviously, um, yeah, hopefully it was a bit of value to you. I've had a nice time. So uh, yeah, we'd love to catch up a bit more often. Awesome. Thanks, Ross. There we go. That was the lovely Ross. And like I said, it was, it was really helpful. I found a lot of what he said super actionable, which is what I love for you guys, so that you are able to take something away and do it for yourself. So that's cool. Okay, I will leave you for this week. Have a fabulous week and I will be back next week with a solo episode. Until then, take care. Thank you so much for listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, then please do go check out TeresaHeathWearing.com where you'll find more amazing content to help you grow your business.